Hey, hey friends, friends, it's Davion, it's Bruce, and, and this, this is, is oh, that's, that's my, my gay, gay friend. friend, episode number 15. Hello, everyone. It's our quinceanera. Olay. Hey, friends. <laughs> hey, husband, how are you? I'm good, husband. How are you? I am what well, we had a trying day today. Let's just. Today was a day that dayed. <laughs> yes. It was a day that dayed, and we will get all into that with you guys later on. But right now, you, you guys know what time it is. It's time to get your cocktail ready. And while we talk about our libation of choice tonight, um, go ahead and get that drink ready, and we'll fill you guys in on how we were doing this week. So, my libation of choice. Tonight is, you guys know it, a bold ginger ale and tequila. It's actually a double because it's been that type of a day later on. And husband, you are having what? I'm having water. <laughs> water and the good Lord. Yes. That's yes. that is, that is it. So how was your day today? You want to tell the people what was going on with you in your life in this week? Um, Week was good. Got through it relatively quickly, thank God. Today um, was a bit aggressive, I would say, uh, to say the least. But we did it with each other and got through it uh, burly. How was your week? Well, uh, first I want to clink, 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 I guess, to the people out there. And okay. So cheers, you guys. Okay, could have did that while I was talking. <laughs> that would have made more sense. But okay. No, because I had to cheers with the people. Okay. But to answer your question, the week was... The week was a good week. I had a really good work day today. I felt like I helped... Um, I helped a lot of people who were in crisis. So mm -hmm. I've been doing that this week. So that was fun. Like you said, today was a challenging day when you texted or called me, rather... Mm. Um. So, our baby boy, the prince Duncan, was having some trials and tribulations today. Abdominal today. issues, if you will. So, yeah, some gastric stuff. So he vomited and yeah, and, vomited diarrhea. So, you know when your dogs, for animal people out there, you know when your dogs do that simultaneously, it's kind of time to make some phone calls. And we did, and they said, bring him in. So we got the family all gathered in, in the Prius and <laughs> zoomed on down <laughs> uh, to our 24-hour emergency vet. And there he was seen, and we, you know, we have him home. We brought him back with some antibiotics and anti-diarrhea medicine. But while we were there, it was kind of... Traumatic. It was a lot. They had to let us know that he had to get some fluids. They gave us certain options. He did not require to stay overnight, so we opted out of that. We'll just follow up with his regular vet tomorrow, see if we can get in. But like you said, while we came out of the interview interviewing room and we were standing there, they had brought a husky in. And they said stat, and we just saw the entire front the, office. Yeah, the entire crew run stopped went and grabbed this husky that had to, that had to be like 50 pounds at, yes. le at the very least. Grab them, run them to the back. It was kind of like watching Grey's Anatomy or a doctor show when they yell cold blue and everyone just jumps just into right. action. Yeah. But before that, um, a woman came in with her mom holding 
uh, another dog and basically was like, yeah, he's dying, so we just want Not to... was after that. There was no, a... That was before. We left with the couple and the husky still in the hallway. Right, I wanted to hurry up and leave because yeah. I felt like they were going to tell him the husky's dead and I didn't want to be there. So I know for a fact that was after. That's right. It so back just to happened what, so fast. Like, I was yeah. back to the story. Before a woman, before the husky came, a woman walked in with her mom and was like, my dog's dying and I just want him to die peacefully. And they were just, mind you, standing in the waiting room like with us looking after we just got Duncan back and you were waiting to like pay the bill and, yeah. and i was like can we just get the hell out of here because it was just such and this was all within a matter of like 20 minutes yeah where both of these case scenarios happen and i really wanted to hurry up and get out because um the couple that was waiting for the husky they actually called them back into room. a room which is like still right kind of in earshot of the waiting room yeah so i was like i want to go before whatever doctor sees them uh it was just a lot but were you triggered by something be or did yes something i was kind because of like what was your emotion you were dealing with because it it hit really close to home like we're there for our sick dog they were there for their sick dogs right uh but it it was just it was just a lot for for the people out there to me our dogs are our children like literally I look at them as children, as a part of the family. So to have Duncan be sick and not exactly know what's wrong with him, and for him in this sick mode to be completely opposite of his normal, super energetic self, right. that is already that already took a toll on me already. But then to just be around the trauma of the, the emergency vet on top of it it was just it was just heavy no it definitely was and it definitely was um eye-opening because i didn't know that they can do cpr on dogs so they asked when we first brought him in to sign the waiver for that yeah and i was like i didn't know they did cpr on dogs and then when they brought the husky in they was like cpr like stat cpr running with this dog and i'm like oh my god like this is a major situation here so yeah it's like a regular emergency room right it really is it's just the fact the first time having to really be for us to really be in that setting because we never really had to take them to the emergency room like we always consulted mm -hmm. like the time zoe was high she was just high but we consulted about different things so um it was an interesting experience but you know we came back home and duncan is now laying in bed and recuperating yeah, so he'll be all right. He'll he's a trooper, and Zoe was the the concern bigger sister, um, big sister, just hungry and wanting <laughs> to get back home. Yeah, she's so, a little over it. Yeah, but we're all safe and sound now. The Duncan clan is back where we belong. The Duncan clan, come on, that, that's my <laughs> my family now. Oh, sorry, <laughs> the gang. gangs. Yeah, my mind is right. on like eighty things. I'll cut that out. So <laughs> so. <laughs> It's all good. So, yeah. So, let's get right into these topics. So, the first topic, and speaking, this is about trauma. It's going to be very, very a light show, but we get into some heavy stuff at first. So, to give you guys an update, you hear no noise because our pipes are fucking fixed. So, And you know what? The people said that they never, uh, they couldn't hear the dehumidifiers anyway. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I know I heard it. Uh, 
Yes, we heard <laughs> it very that. clearly, but I don't think our friends out there even. even well, that's heard it. great. So that's wonderful. And put some reviews that said our sound is back on point. But yes, yeah, so that's done. That's fixed. Once again, you guys an update about that. But more importantly, um, having to report some sad news about two industry artists. So PNB Rock was gunned down in LA, South LA, at Roscoe's on Manchester and Maine a few days ago, mm-hmm. a couple days back. Yeah. Um, rest in peace to him and his family and, and anyone who was a follower of his music and a fan of his. I am familiar with a couple of songs of his. I'm not too versed in his whole catalog, but, Mm. you know, apparently he was an up-and-coming rapper. Actually, a a young man that we both seen before perform somewhere, a little dancer. He actually, that dancer young man, he played the younger version of him in a video recently because I follow the young man on Instagram, and he made a post about it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the little boy that we follow. That um was dancing really really well. I can't I can't for the life of me can't remember where we saw him, but I just know okay. we saw him perform somewhere, and he was like really good, and I was giving him accolades. Gotcha. So, um, that said, uh, a lot of people have been talking about his child's mother and girlfriend posting their location. Some people mm-hmm. are saying was he set up. Some people are saying, you know, he should have been flossing in L.A. I personally feel that people can have all type of cars, jewelry, and should be able to go where they want to without ha- running the risk of someone trying to jack you for some shit that you have. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever been to that Roscoe's before. It's very small inside. The parking <laughs> yeah. lot is very packed. And mm-hmm. it's so I don't even know how they pulled the lick and then got away that quickly because that parking lot is really compact and small. So, okay. Obviously, there had to be a getaway car or something, but it's just really sad to report about that. Um, did you have any thoughts about him, or did you, or are you familiar I, with who he is? I had absolutely no idea who he, who he was, um, so I can't expound on that. I, it's, it's a horrible situation. I feel sorry for his family, everyone that's involved and that was in his life. I especially feel sorry for his girlfriend. A lot of people on Twitter were coming for her about posting... You know, their location. And I mean, we've all done it. We right. literally have all done it. The last thing, especially in this scenario, that that woman needs is for people to attack her based on doing something we've all done. I don't think that was her thought process. I don't think, honestly, whoever killed him was patrolling her Instagram. Right. Let's just be uh, let's just be 100. They probably saw a nice car in the parking lot. They probably saw it's just so many scenarios that could have happened, but I don't think that it boiled down to her posting something on Instagram. Okay. And again, I don't know the facts of everything. I know that was a lot of people giving commentary. Then there was even screenshots of her phone and some text messages. I don't see that. So, yeah, that's just a theory that's going around there. Um, I think, honestly, if she was there and she's going to have trauma from that, seeing that everyone who was probably inside of that Roscoe's will have trauma from that. I just look at the fact of people reducing your life to a value and for jewelry. Like, where is the respect for human life and for mankind? So I just hope that we, as a people, young black people, 
hip hop culture just do better because mm-hmm. we're tired of having to say rest in peace to someone for senseless violence, right? It, it's really at this point, it's 2022, really for a black man to live to, to get to the age of 30 and surviving. It, it says a lot. I don't know how young, I don't know how old this young man was. I believe he was in his twenties. It's just unfortunate he won't see his children grow up. Um, another rest in peace, the rest in power. We want to say to Jesse Powell, an R and B singer, um, famously known for his hit uh, "You," that was mm-hmm. early two thousand. Wasn't that the nineties? Yeah, it could have been the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah <laughs> it could have yeah, been late nineties, yeah, early two thousands. I remember the first time I seen, I didn't meet him, but I met or seen Jesse Powell was at the Black Gay Beach Party. And this was early 2000s. I knew I was about, had to be 21, 22 maybe. Yeah, you came out in like 96. Okay. And I was just astonished. I I didn't know he was gay. I kind of had some suspects of it, but I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, you know, wow, like a black gay artist who has a popular mm-hmm. song and had a hit and had a couple other hits here and there. Um, but he's always a, a great singer and, and everyone knows that song. It was a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have played it for their weddings or for anniversaries. So um just want to send a shout out to him. Rest in peace. Also to his family and loved ones. Anyone who have known him. Did you ever listen to Jesse Powell music? Or I literally am only familiar with that one song. Okay. Rest in peace, Jesse. Yeah. So just wanted to highlight some some artists who are no longer with us. Um so moving on, on to the, the mass. Just- <laughs> moving on to the mass. We've got some there's no real easy way to transition from that. Nah. So we're just gonna do it. We've got a nice interview that our Real Housewife of Atlanta current peach holder Candy had earlier this week where she disclosed that Carlos King, former producer of the Real Housewives of Atlanta up until season nine, was the person that tried to acquire the rights to the escape story and basically have a movie made up under their noses. Shady bitch. Wow. Okay, so I listened to his podcast and I believe every word she says. He hasn't addressed it. Okay. He probably won't address it. The only thing that he came close to addressing it was he reposted um, someone's Twitter comment saying like, keep your head up or you know you're doing right when people try to bring you down. You know, some shit like that. But he never, he has never uh, directly addressed it, which leads me to believe that she is, she is true, uh, speaking truth. Absolutely, I feel. Um, because why would you lie about that? Why would she have to lie? This is a group that she founded, co-founded, mm-hmm. and if you watch, didn't they have a, a escape show on Bravo or yeah, something? They and they talked about, or or either in that show or something else when. Maybe she was beefing with JD, and they talked about the rights of, the, of mm-hmm. a movie. Yeah, and he's like, "Don't let no one else write your story. Like, you guys need to be talking about the so so death and how you guys came up and everything." So there were talks about that. So the fact that it hasn't happened yet, and if he did, you know, purchase the rights, or I don't even know how you can do that without even acknowledging or, or notifying the people who you're trying to. I mean, I story about like celebrities that have passed on, they get unofficial 
Lifetime movies done on them all the time. Right, I get that part, but he was trying to purchase the rights, or he brought the rights of their um, of their story, or or whatever the, whatever the situation is. I think it stopped them from escape from actually doing their own thing, right? Or I think that he just jumped on the opportunity first. So while they were in talks of trying to figure out if that's what they wanted to do, that's when they found out, hey, someone's already yes, doing the legwork. Yes, that's what Kenny work. was saying. She had, was and then she was informed about that. Then she mentioned that he had reached out to her mother mm. and was asking, like, hey, can I just interview you about, you know, having a daughter who was raised in the industry and, yeah. you know, get some type of stories. And she's like, you trying to low-key get my mother to tell you some information about us for this movie. So, yeah. She was like, I can't fuck with you at that point, which I completely get now. If that's the reason, if that's her reasoning for not wanting to fuck with him and, and continue that friendship. So it's very sad. It's, it's more than sad. It's crazy that someone will try and tell the story of your life without consulting you. I mean, I think it would have been a great thing if he went to Candy and was like, hey, let's partner on this. Because yes. you know Candy is all about a bag. She probably would have been like, you know what? Let's do this. But to do that to someone that you know behind their back yeah. is the crazy part. That's why it's like you didn't think that they would find out. Now, me personally, I don't think the escape story is that riveting to want to, you know, sneak and bamboozle and finagle a story out of it like it, it, yeah it wasn't okay four girls make a group actually, of, it was it was five actually started out as five okay come on dream girls Listen. there's actually <laughs> four dream but either way it wasn't like they're groups that i feel went through a lot more like if this was if someone did this for the tlc story understandable left eye burnt down a whole house like there was actually story there to tell or to get more you know information behind i don't care about escape but escape you can we're not going to sell escape short they were definitely a major part in that 90s girl group music wise yes the story so behind but the story there's there's things that were said in the industry or, or in atlanta that you know in Atlanta, we weren't privy to. Out here in California, I guess we, we knew them as the girls who were just tomboyish. Biggie made a rap about them saying he would never fuck them. Like, we knew that whole situation. So, but I would like to know because Candy did go to school with Andre 3000. Like, she they went, she went to a performing arts school, right? <laughs> That's had nothing to do with No, but I'm just. <laughs> you know how he was with Andre 3000? <laughs> That's nothing to do with It's just game. part of their story. It's part of who they are and how they became a group. So, I. I, like escape was my fucking shit those are my bitches so like i would want as a fan i would want to know how you started like then there was a beef right latasha being having supposed to go her solo career never happened candy being a writer her taking off she's having her shit tiny being a writer and then you know tamika doing pull on my weave like i want to know why where tamika went if you guys don't know the song Google it, YouTube is called pull on my weave and tamika scott is singing and it's very raunchy and it's like you were in the top selling girl group and now you have a song called Pull On My Weave. Like, I just need to know what creative met mindset she was in when she came up with that song title and the lyrics for that. So I, as a fan, would love to see a, a, an Escape movie written by Escape. 
Now see, all of that that you just named and listed, none of that would have made me want to sneak and pretend to be somebody to talk to somebody's mom and get information. <laughs> like all of that that you just said, none of it equates to, okay, this is a story that absolutely needs to be told for the betterment of the culture. It's a cute story. I would like if it comes on TV and I have nothing to watch. Hey, let me just, on TV one, you watch it. Exactly. <laughs> on TV one, I would say, let me push record and save this for a day where there's nothing else on TV. Like none of this says, you know, fucking Oscar <laughs> type of. Well, listen, it, it wasn't going to be that. It may be even be a lifetime movie. Right. But I feel they should have their story told. Sure. So, you know, them and SWV, those are my girls. Those, you know, grew up with them. So, but that was the beef with that. And so, earlier this week, we had your favorite time of the year, the Emmys. It is the award season television highest honors, the Emmys. I am a huge fan. I watch absolutely every year. All of the award shows. It's my thing. So, big shout out to all of the black winners. Everybody who's black, we wanted you to win. And we were rooting for. So, I'll just list them really quick. Shout out to Cheryl Lee Ralph, Kincha Bronson, Zendaya, Jared Carmichael, Lizzo. We're going to, I need you to rewind. Shirley, Cheryl Lee Ralph. Moesha stepmother, Dream Girl, Dina Jones, Dina Jones, Lauren Hill Mama, and Sister Act Two. I can't think of her name, but music don't pay the bill. <laughs> but they did that baby. Night. When she won, and she, her emotion, I felt every emotion she had through mm-hmm. our television. Mm-hmm. I felt the room. I felt that energy in our house. But when she stood on that stage and she just took her moment and she, I'm and for I'm a paraphrase of myself, realized this is your moment, this is your time because she was supposed to be Sandra in two two seven, got passed on that. She was supposed to win the Emmy for Dream Girls or Tony for Dream Girls or something, and Jennifer. They were nominated in two separate categories. Okay, but Jennifer won. She didn't win. Correct. So, for her to be this, at this age life, at this age in life, Mm -hmm. and she put the work in, and she's finally being acknowledged as the great actress she is, and she just opened her mouth and she sung the song. What did you think when she was singing that song? Did you feel like, where is this going, or did you just, were you immersed in the moment of it all? Oh, I was absolutely immersed in the moment, but more so, I was thinking, she sounds amazing. Yes. For her to be nervous, unprepared, because I genuinely don't think that she thought she was going to win. You can tell when they called her name, she was like, wait, what? Uh, so for her to just do that off the dome, but sound rehearsed, clear, throated, and I was like, okay, bitch, I see. Broadway legend. Listen. You got the scene to the back of the, you have to project to the back of the, the last row. Yes, a consummate performer. Yes. Her uh, acceptance speech was absolutely beautiful and empowering. And in that moment, I felt, I honestly felt like I could win an Emmy. Right. At that point, I was like, well, shit, <laughs> let me get some headshots. Let me tell you what this, this let me tell you what this podcast is about to do. Let me right. tell you what, hey, friends. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that's my gay friend. Listen, we about to come for that shit. We coming for every podcast out there. She was Mercury, very uh, inspirational. 
uh, with her speech. And that actually prompted us to get into Abbott Elementary. Oh my God, which, which is an amazing show. We fucking love. We actually need to get back. Yes. We, we're, not, we're almost halfway through the first season. The second season comes out at the end of this month. So yeah, September 21st. We'll be caught up by the time that it comes back. I absolutely love that show Lee Ralph won. Looking at being watching the show, I can see how you know she a lot of people voted for her. she's a legend and she's paid her dues and this is finally the role where she's getting that universal uh acclaim in those eyes i personally if i was voting i would have probably voted for janelle james who's the principal in uh abbott elementary because she's just <laughs> she fucking hilarious hilarious she is hilarious she would have gotten my vote but i I see how I Cheryl, see why Shell yeah, why she got it why she got it yes um, she's a, a, a great character an amazing actress uh, while we're still on Abbott Elementary shout out to Quinta Bronson she run she won for writing because she is the creator, the creator of Abbott Elementary and it was literally just a few years ago I remember her from BuzzFeed she used to actually do like the little. Uh, videos on youtube that would go viral she had a video that go uh, that went viral but yeah she went from being an absolute nobody to being an emmy award winning doesn't that writer. In, just inspire you and just like feed your soul a, a little fire under you it did for me because i mm -hmm. saw a video of her in the movie theater and it was one of those type of videos and she was with a boyfriend or something but it was just like a very like cheesy situation yeah. to now cut to however many years later and you have won a fucking Emmy with the good gown and the good weave and a fucking clown oh. on the goddamn floor yeah doing a bit so let's talk about that so let's get right into this so if you guys haven't watched please pull up this clip off of YouTube or wherever you find your latest video content Jimmy Kimmel came out with a different was another white guy actor. I love him. I couldn't remember his name right now. But he was pulling Jimmy as Jimmy was laying on the floor. Jimmy was pretending to be sleep dead, what have you. Because he lost another Emmy. Yeah, for he hasn't his won. Show. He hasn't won. Show. So the bit was the guy was like, Jimmy, Jimmy, wish he could be here. He checked out. He didn't win. Blah, 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 whatever. They show, they then they cut to doing all the nominees. And so when they announced the winner, it's Quinta. She shot, everyone shot, everyone's on their feet, standing for her, cheering for her. She walks up the stage, Jimmy, white, privileged, male ass, is still on the floor. And they're trying to move him. And at this point, I'm like, okay, he's going to get up. Mm. He, see, he knows she's walking up. He's going to get up and do something. So she gets, she walks onto the stage and she's like, oh, Hey Jimmy, like, hey Jimmy, get up, like, hey Jimmy, I won, like, yeah. And then he puts a thumbs up, but remains his white male privileged ass on the goddamn floor, mm -hmm. and doesn't move. And so you see the cameraman; they they go from a wide angle to a tight shot on her, yeah. But then when they cut to different camera camera angles, you can still, as they're trying to do a tight shot, you can still see him in the background. So every picture for this moment for her, he's there. Then she mentions the fact I would she's like, hey, because they start to play the music. She was like, hey, I may never be up here again. So it's a moment for her. Mm -hmm. As he's still on the fucking ground. Mm -hmm. I was completely pissed off. And you being here as my husband knew I was pissed off because I voiced it very 
I think my our neighbors know I was pissed off. How did you feel about seeing that moment? You know what? I was just so happy for her that honestly, in the moment, I was still so focused, laser focused on her. And it wasn't until honestly after the show, after the telecast, we finished it. I I, I thought about it. And I was like, you know, you're right. There are a lot of shots that get, you know, published in newspapers and online and they're all going to have to go with the tight shot and not that far or not that wide shot because he is still laying on the floor and I I honestly thought the bit was funny in the beginning but like a lot of comedians that tend to run the shit into the ground this was prime example of that once they called her name and the camera went away from the stage and on her, that was a prime opportunity for Jimmy to get up and get the fuck out the way. Because at that point, any jokes that happened would be at her expense. I think if another actress won that maybe has won before, then he could have stayed down there. But this was her very first time being nominated. Her first win for her first project ever. Exactly. So... It really was a moment of, even if you thought you could get more laughs, it would have taken away from her moment. It wouldn't have added to it. Yes. It would have detracted from her moment. So just get the fuck up. Yeah. (laughs) It's very selfish. It's very, again, white male privilege. And I'm surprised from him because he's done so much to not try, or he tries to address that and tries to like do things to counter that. So I was really shocked the fact even if you guys are friends, you know her, you still are shitting on this black woman's experience. Like, she probably will never win another Emmy. Hopefully she will. But I see it happening again. If even if she doesn't, this is her first like your first time as someone is shitting on your moment. Like, have you ever had someone shit on your moment? Yeah. On shit? Like yeah. that doesn't feel good. No. Right? So it they did um reporters did ask her in like the press room. Uh, after she won about it and she said you know i that's just jimmy he gave me he was one of the first uh night you know hosts that gave her a platform and an opportunity to come on the show so she wasn't angry in the moment and he's actually since then had her on his show and publicly apologized that's not enough and that they had like a little bit where he was doing his opening monologue and she cut him off and that was, you know, like, oh, payback. <laughs> no, that's not enough. I'm sorry. No, we've had slavery. I'm sorry. No, I'm like, no, no, we're not doing that no more, sir. Like, you literally took this black woman's moment. And the fact that you're even a friend of hers and you gave her a shot, even more so makes me angry because you should know how much she probably really wanted this and you were being selfish. So, yeah, it was it was in poor taste to say the absolute least. So, Lizzo moment was amazing for me. That was um, fun. A Lizzo moment was great. I'm that bitch is the, the definition of showing a hater. I'm winning. I'm unbothered. Her energy is always electrifying to me. I love 
her project. She beat out RuPaul. Let's talk about that. The Honey, girls were mad. Heads roll. Heads well, <laughs> will. is like, what? All yeah. this money we spent? The World of Wonder office is on fire as we speak. I have a feeling next season RuPaul is going to make bitches jump out of planes for mini challenges. <laughs> like, he's going to make them put on their makeup, like, hanging upside down. I don't yeah. know. Ru was like, okay, I've had this three years in a row. And so four her show, years four years in a row, excuse yes. me. And her show was on Amazon Prime. I did watch it. It's a really good show. And, and it talks about different dancers, uh, plus size and, and everything, and empowerment. And it was really, really good. And I'm I'm a fan of Liz on Liz. I know there are a lot of people who don't really get who she is or feel like she needs to cover up her body. But fuck that. Like, if you got these skinny motherfuckers out there rocking, she can rock the same shit, too. You know, um, I love her message that she has. And it takes a lot to love yourself when people are trashing you or yeah. people have judgments about you or think you should be doing X, Y, and Z. And so I'm a champion of hers all day. She is just a beacon of light for many people who didn't see themselves. And she was like, I never saw myself. She says, so I guess, bitch, you got to be that person. And she's talking to her, her inner child. And I really hope her inner child is healed. Because it seemed like it is. I feel oh, like absolutely. that she's she's just exuding Happiness. someone who is happy, who mm -hmm. has dealt with all the things that may may have been triggers for her in life or what have you. So I was really happy for her. And she looked amazing in her she gown. She stunning. Yeah, she looked taking amazing. Up, so. Taking up space with a pretty face. I yes. love it. Um, nothing better can be said about that. Uh, other than... The winners that I mentioned, I also want to shout out some of the other winners that we are a huge fan of and their performances. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge in The White Lotus. White Lotus. If you guys Amazing haven't seen show. the show on HBO, we implore that you do because to see her, her, everyone is great in the show, but specifically her performance, it is so fully fleshed out and realized. Like she's a, it's not just a character. She's an absolute real person. And if you guys don't know her name, Jennifer Coolidge, she is Stifler's mom. Everyone's seen American Pie. So she is that kooky white lady. She's always kind of playing like the bimbo, ditzy type. I probably think she's really fucking smart as hell. Right. But, but like she just plays these type of roles. She, I mean, even on Seinfeld, she played, she was Jerry's girlfriend who was the masseuse who didn't like want to give him, him a massage. So, shout out to all my Seinfeld heads out there. But she is an amazing actress. But in, in White Lotus, she, she goes to so many different ranges mm. in acting. I'm like, how, where do you tap into that type of energy? Yeah, and White Lotus, she's a rich white woman dealing with grief. And yes. she... It hits all the notes perfectly. Uh, so we definitely suggest you see that. Also wanted to give a shout out to Jean Smart. She oh, won yes. for Best Actress in a Comedy for Hacks, which is on HBO Max yes. and fucking brilliant. She beat out uh, Quinta and um, our favorite... Mrs. Maisel. Mrs. Yeah, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. She beat out all the girls. Um, also, insecure. Uh, Issa. Issa. Yeah, yeah. yeah which did. I was a little torn by that. I, I was hoping that they would have given Issa, you know, a sympathy win because this is her last year for that character. Uh, since insecure is officially over, I would have liked to. I, I think 
Insecure and Issa, the character, are both Emmy-worthy things. So the fact that the show hasn't gotten anything the entire run that it had is really unfortunate. But but I wonder how Issa feels it. about that. I wonder if she feels like listen if it if it's come if it comes more if it if it comes from my people who look like me is mm. it more memorable is it is, is it more meaningful you know mm. i'm quite sure the emmy's probably be a great thing for her but i'm quite sure she's like listen you have a four-time emmy nominated emmy nominated series that was on hbo like yeah you are submitted in tv world oh no yeah she's definitely winning yeah. <laughs> i don't think she's crying at home at night but it, it it definitely would have been nice to but see yeah, a show nice like that. Of it, yeah, yeah, to get a show like that because unlike Abbott Elementary, that you know did win multiple times uh, on its first year being nominated. Very true. It is a much more universal show yeah, where insecure is very, for a very specific you know group of people. If you know, you know type yes. of situation. So it would have been nice to see universal. Accolade acknowledgement okay. shed on that type of show. It listen, a show like Insecure has never really been nominated, so the fact that it did was already groundbreaking in it. itself and in, in, in a win in itself. But it would be nice to see it actually win, you know? Yeah, but maybe it's next. That's the next black show. It is, and you know, she has more opportunities to grow and to write that best piece that will get that Emmy nomination. So, before we wrap up this segment, we want to talk about the trailer that has all the people gagged. Maybe the children are gagging and mad. Oh, the Caucasians are mad. The ones who are, you know, very that white anger. I can't believe there's a black Ariel. So, listen, we're talking about the Little Mermaid trailer that hit the streets this week that showed Ariel portrayed as the very beautiful and very black Hallie Bailey from... Uh, Is it Hallie or Haley? Hallie, like Hallie Berry. Okay. Like Hallie Berry, but Hallie yeah. Bailey, okay. Hallie Bailey, yeah. Um, one half of the duo... What are they? I don't, I don't follow them girls, but I mean, they're the sisters do it. Uh, what's that song? The sisters. Chloe. Do it. Chloe, Chloe and Hallie. Like Chloe. The, literally, the group <laughs> their is their names. And we're like, what's that? What's that? What's that name? Was what's Chloe and Hallie. Yeah. Like, yes, those girls. Them. So, it, it was a like sneak peek trailer where you just see her for a few moments and you hear her sing a part of the world for a few seconds. She sounds phenomenal. But no, that was so... The, the trailer shows the part someone went to the yeah, someone no no but then someone went to the actual screening on mm -hmm. tiktok and then um recorded mm -hmm. a part of her additional and she's hitting the notes and people were like oh who's who shot this shit like thank you for doing the smuggling the bootlegging shit because it put on tiktok because it's amazing so yeah the trailer part was great mm -hmm. But that one, when she hit that note, I, I became a believer. Now, I will say, I'm not the biggest fan of the girls. I don't really know their music. I know you know it. And the Do It song is very cute. But I'm excited for the Little Mermaid. I wasn't really excited to that moment. How about you? Are you are you waiting for Betty on bated breath for this? Like, where are you at with your excitement for this? Oh, I'm out of a 10. My excitement's on a 15. Because this was my childhood. 
The Little Mermaid specifically was my favorite cartoon growing up. So Disney had its like platinum era with a string of extremely successful and highly acclaimed cartoon movies in the early 90s, early to mid 90s. And The Little Mermaid was one of them. It was Aladdin, Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, uh, etc. My favorite of all of them was The Little Mermaid. Growing up as a little gay boy, I played with dolls. So one concession that uh, my mom had was, okay, you can't play with dolls because you're a little boy, but you can play with mermaids because I was so into... <coughs> This really? movie. That's interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know how between her and my nana, who, my great grandmother, how they came up with he, mermaids is cool. Barbie no, but Barbie mermaid. no, but mermaids yes. I don't know if it was so because mermaids mermaids fictional, fictional okay. characters, and they knew that I would never grow up to want to be a mermaid, but, <laughs> but they were be a Barbie though. Yeah, I could grow up and be a woman. <laughs> I don't know. So they figure, well, shit, let's just give them one. So I was allowed to play with mermaids. The Little Mermaid was my shit. It was my first gay experience. Like literally watching it and thinking, she looks fabulous. That swoop bang, <laughs> the way her hair <laughs> flowed underwater, like her, how tiny her waist was. I was like, this is all these unrealistic things. All these <laughs> to unrealistic to give people a complex growing up, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, that's, All from childhood. That's what the gays are based on. Unrealistic expectations. But I, just all that to say, I'm extremely excited. We will be going opening night to support. Not only because I'm a big fan of The Little Mermaid in general and all of the songs. But because this black actress needs our support because there are already groups being created now not my Ariel not my little mermaid not not my Christians Ariel. against Halle Bailey not Christians against that Christian is, Mingle no that is a real face are you group. serious Christians against uh Halle Bailey Child as the little mermaid yeah. I actually saw on Twitter this image it is an image of Halle Bailey dressed the in the Ariel you know what? outfit with Newports in uh, with Newports in the ocean. Okay, so packs guys, of Newport let me, cigarettes. Yes, you want to describe? So let me describe to you guys what he's showing me right now. So it's it's the Little Mermaid. So imagine the Disney still shot of it that says the Little Mermaid. So this says duh D A little L I L mermaid. Then it has Newports in the water, and then it has her face on the body of Ariel with. Halle Bailey's face. Halle Bailey's face. With, um, if you were not an artist and you had to draw hair for a person, like this squiggly lines, she has that. Like, she has, like, dreads that are floating, but she's bald-headed with these. It's just horrible. It This is racist as fuck. Yeah, wow. So, everyone that's black is going to have to go out and support this movie the way that we did Black Panther. One... To show them that black representation can be lucrative. There can be black leads in movies. We've already shown them this. But the sad thing is we have to consistently show them. Because they'll always say, oh, it's just a fluke. Oh, it's just a one-off. Oh, it's just... They'll always excuse, make excuses for it instead of saying, oh, this is what people... People just want to see themselves. Right, but you, you can't see yourself 
as a mermaid because it's a fucking mermaid. They're not fucking real. They're so okay. mermaids can be green, purple, fucking majestic color. They're not real people. They don't care. It's a cartoon. Oh, so my first exposure to Little Mermaid and God's Honest Truth was high school cheerleading, 12th grade. Like, when we didn't have practice, like, we were in a student government room watching, and, and these girls, but the, the squad either want to watch uh, Selena or Little Mermaid. So, I never really got that Little Mermaid um, bug, if you will, because when it came out, I was either in uh, junior high or something like that, or early, either early on. Fifth grade, I, I or, yeah. Yeah. Fifth grade sixth grade, something like that. So, it was never really something on my radar, but... Heard the song, know the song. I was very, um, I was very impressed the way Haley Holly has done the rendition for the song. And I can only, I can't wait to hear how she sings. And her voice is amazing. Amazing. In this. And it's just disgusting that there's grown people who are pro protesting and having these groups or having these comments about. A fictional character. I just don't get it. So. I think we need a break at this point. I need to come back and regroup myself. And uh, before I say something that probably gets us canceled. Um, so let's take a break and come back with the reality roundup. All right. All right, guys, we are back with a reality roundup. We're back. Are you guys ready? Are you guys buckled in for all this shit we're about to hit? So Atlanta had their reunion. <sighs> that was me sleeping because it was boring. It was um, boring, but it shouldn't be surprised because the season wasn't a great season at all. And the reunion was just a clear representation of that. I think. The first misstep that we had was the seating arrangements. Putting Sheree at the head was definitely a sympathy. This well, she earned her time. moment. It's been 14 years of... But the season, not a collective... Yeah, she's been here since the beginning, so let's throw her a bone. That's where the sympathy came. That's where <laughs> the That's why I say sympathy. But if you look at the season, she... Well, she had not. the most entertaining story of all of them. Let's look... If we looking at storyline wise she had the most entertaining storyline of all of these ladies let's be real about it there's nothing anyone else had that can really beat she by sheree for this season marlo you're giving your nephews away then your mama come back in your life boring drew need i say more sonya i'm not even gonna even get that energy candy you know Doing her estate planning and everything like that, but it was nothing she gave a lot of that we just have already seen. And then who else was left? Kenya. Oh, okay. Well, you birthday twin. My birthday about. twin. Yes. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oops. I mean, even with that, I mean, you know, she she read Marlon for filth and she looked great doing it. And Brooklyn is a cutie pie, but that's pretty much it. So I was really surprised when Candy said earlier last year when they were wrapping up filming she was like this is the best season like we've ever shot when they lost uh, Cynthia and Portia. Portia 
I don't I can't concur with that. I feel like this season was a it wasn't that great. I feel like about three people need to be fired and they're all sitting on the couch with Marlo. And I guess they're including Marlo. That would be Marlo, Drew, <laughs> and Marlo. Yes. You know, I think when, because I remember the quote, that quote you're talking about regarding Candy, and it honestly must have just been, this was probably like the least toxic filming that they've had. Like, okay. I think it was coming from a place of her actually experiencing it. Like, this is the best season where actually we don't hate each other but not saying this is the best season for the viewers because this is probably one of the worst seasons it really is. for a viewer um i would say this shit is neck and neck with the kim field season oh um or not even I don't, I don't even think anything could be that bad no that was no that was that was real tragic kim, yeah kim fields was a kim fucking disaster because andy thought he was getting regime, regime yeah. from living single he thought he was getting yes. regime hunter and he thought he he watched he probably been watched living single when it got to hulu and he was like you know what would be a great idea <laughs> if we get her and yes. then kim fields came in with you know complete opposite the complete a bad wig a gay husband Allegedly. and no fashion sense not wanting to thinking she was doing like an actual acting gig yeah <laughs> but yeah this season i mean it, in this particular episode the reunion episode there's nothing that i remember that stands out to even discuss we touch on marlo's past trauma she gives more insight onto who she is which actually makes me question even more so her behaviors that she it, she showcases down why she kicked out her nephews even though she's been through the same shit and it it was a lot of contradiction and head scratching that came along with her explanation we focused a lot on she by shrey and if you know shrey she's not a great interview <laughs> so it was a lot of like girl what <laughs> like she's great on the show and she's great on her uh otfs but in interview form it's it, it's it's a lot i of think because her brain's probably thinking faster than her her mouth and so she wants to get and she it. just get jumbled she gets come you know confused i think that's what it is i that makes sense uh, we also got sanya and drew Angie asks straight up, Zanya, what is your beef with Drew? She wasn't able to give a specific answer. It was just a lot of why. Yeah, for me, the only thing I need answered or addressed is Marlo shitted so much on Kenya for years, mentioning that her mother didn't want her and all these type of negative things and bitch your mama didn't want you True. clearly your mama chose the drugs over raising you mm -hmm. like kenya mama was a, a savage don't get me wrong she was a you know in her own right um a see you next thursday type of person from kenya's explanation of it mm -hmm. you know but the fact that you trying to shade her or try to be hurtful to her to throw that in her face well you had the same story like and so you want sympathy when you're talking about your trauma and people how you went to these multiple different group homes or foster homes and 
you want some type of grace and the ladies say that you've been a prostitute but you they can't bring a man who you slept with and blah 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 and you're showcasing these emotions and i'm like I, i'm not buying it because you sat here and you shitting on this woman who has a trauma with her mother mm-hmm. and has resolved is trying her best way to resolve her inner child as an adult and she's now doing that in a beautiful way with her daughter and but you want people to feel badly for you where you were talking mad shit to her. I just the hypocrisy of it all for me with Marlo is problematic. And so I I just need someone to address that. And I don't know if Andy would do it. I think Candy should be the one to do it, or someone just needs to bring light to like, do you understand like the things that you wanted, like that are the issue that you have with your mom? You and Ken you're kind of similar in that type of same boat. Like you guys oh, yeah. did both of you had your mothers there. So you should at least be, you should be able to trauma bond at least on that end of it. So that's all I have for this reunion. I have nothing else. I have even less. So hopefully part two of the reunion will bring some type of spice. It looks like they'll move on to Kenya, who essentially was on autopilot this entire first episode, just (laughs) sitting there looking pretty. She did gorgeous perk up and dispute some of the points that Marla was making. You can tell Kenya is not on that uh, sympathy bandwagon. Oh no, she's already. While the other girls were like making sad faces and all, Kenya was like, actually Andy, can I? I know that that face. She's already like, bitch, your name ain't even Marla, Latanya, whatever her name is. Like she called her full government out. So So, yeah, yeah, she's on ready. She's came with all of her bullet points and I can't wait for the read down for that. I can't either. So we'll check back in with them hoes next week. Hopefully they'll give us something to talk about. In the meantime, let's uh, pussyfoot on over to the the 90210. Right. The PJ to Beverly Hills. Oh, actually, we're going to take it to to Aspen because they're still in Aspen right now on the Rocky Mountains. They are still in Aspen. That is very correct. I don't know if we'll ever get back to Beverly Hills at this point uh, because we pick up right after that disaster of an after party where Erica at the rental home kind of spirals and yells at... This is TV gold. You see Erica walking through the dining room saying, I'm supposed to give a fuck. I'm supposed to be sad. Like, that's what about an iconic the facts? moment. It is very memorable. I can go all these days with these bitches. What about the facts, you fuckers? Like, Erica gave a performance worthy mm-hmm. in that moment. She gave a great performance. And I agree with her, like I said last week. So, how did you see this episode going? Were you kind of. Did you think that the ladies were going to get together and be kind of, you know, try to understand why Erica went off? Or what did you think the next day would look like for them? I was honestly surprised how the episode panned out. Essentially, the girls, Erica, Dorit, and Diana, exclude, like, kept them, segregated themselves from the rest of the girls essentially for the majority of the episode and the reason why I was so surprised is because I honestly thought that the Fox Force 5 
were a click of convenience where that even if they did like kind of disagree or have a fight they would still honor the alliance like let's still pretend and be cool with each other to go up against the other bitches so to see that civil war going on amongst their inner circle the the fox force it was interesting to see that dynamic and see lisa renna be the peacemaker so who had the civil war who you think who you feel like were um on opposite ends in the group kyle and erica okay yeah the majority of the episode was kyle wanting to show the girls this aspen it's one of her favorite places and kind of showed them the lay of the land and erica was like i'm cool no well what happens when we we catch back on the show after the argument and erica walking out because they were at Cal's place i believe no mm -hmm. they were at the other they were at the other property oh, they were at the yeah the rental the, rental property erica went back to Cal's place and with dorit and diana and she packed her shit and left in the middle of the night and the middle so in the middle of the night i'm like oh she was big man like yes. for you to pack your shit i don't know if you friends if you guys ever packed your shit after having an argument with a friend but you packed it said i would rather sleep in the cold than stay here you were big mad and hurt behind that and so diana's hotel where she stayed at how many rooms does she fucking have because she's she's housing now she's, yeah and she's harboring uh <laughs> harboring fugitives. yeah housewives fugitives so erica dorit are at diana's hostel right now <laughs> um and kyle didn't find out about it until they eventually get back to her place and she saw okay all of erica's shit is missed yeah. is gone so she was affected by that and it just kind of led to a snowball of events the next day of Kyle v. Erica, which was very interesting to see that dynamic. It was. Um, I was more shocked at Kathy's response when they went to a particular um, store mm -hmm. or bar, rather. And Rena wanted to taste the A18 tequila, which is Kendall Jenner. Jenner's um tequila mm -hmm. and kathy has been trying to plug her tequila casa de soul for weeks honey. <laughs> Listen, she's, this entire trip she's been trying to have them hoes drink take a shot and, and like no one has been into it it's kind of been like a <laughs> presentation when you go to like oh my a, god to a timeshare yeah, time, yeah it's been like a timeshare <laughs> presentation she's like okay guys are you ready <laughs> This tequila has been fermented. It, it, she's really been trying to sell she's it. She's been trying to push it. And so cut to Renner walking into this bar. Hey, that's my friend Kendall Jenner's A18. You have A18 tequila? In front, in front, of, in Kathy. front of Kathy. Uh, like two minutes after Kathy said, Oh, hey, guys. That's they my got tequila. my tequila here. Yes. Look, that's my tequila. <laughs> Renner, messy ass. Just messy, messy ass. Renner. Meanwhile, Kendall Jenner is like, Who? Who's that? <laughs> right, like my that's my mom's. Friend. Yeah, that's my mom's friend. I forget her name. Yeah, so it's very that's a very interesting thing because Kathy then gets upset with Cal and she kind of she doesn't storm out, but she definitely has some choice words and she 
decides to share them with Garcelle about mm-hmm. why Cal should be responding or should should be affected that Kathy's upset. Yes. You know. And and Kyle is like, listen, I'm just trying to keep the fucking peace. Like I'm not she's like, when Kathy's upset, she goes off and you just have to stay clear of her mm-hmm. and I'm trying to still enjoy my trip. I'm you know, I'm the hostess with the most is and I'm trying to get to this hat place. <laughs> Whatever this hat place is uh, called. Kimosami. Kimosami to yeah. get these hats made for these ladies. So it was a nice it was a nice situation to see them. And then we see that the ladies are still separated with group team um Erica Dorinda not Dorinda. Oh shit. Dorit and uh Diana. Diana go shopping and this, you know, boutique store. Then we see the other group walk past trying to get into the store and they're like, oh, don't open the door for them. That was just some kind of mean girl shit. What did you think about that? Yeah, it was definitely mean. It was Kathy specifically trying to walk in. And honestly, Kathy was probably just trying to shop. She probably didn't care about them bitches. She probably <laughs> saw a ski jacket and was like, oh, that looks cute. And tried to get in and Erica like, don't open the door. So they eventually leave Kyle's group and go to Kimosabi. And once the girls are there, Dorit, Diana, and Erica go to a pizza shop. It's funny, you can tell they're just roaming the streets of Aspen trying to figure out a plan B. Right. Because Erica doesn't want to be amongst the majority. So Dorit and uh, eventually FaceTimes Kyle. And Kyle's like, you better come. Like, where are you? You know I've been planning this for months and I want you to come but you want to stay with Erica and that's not fair like I want all of you guys to come but it's Erica it like it's Erica's problem it's her issue if she doesn't want to come she doesn't have to come but you're my friend you're my friend yeah I've got you here and, and I got you're here yes you're here. so I want you to come and Dorit's like baby baby doll <laughs> like I cannot you cannot put me in the middle but Kyle clearly doesn't give a fuck and wants her to choose have you ever been in that type of situation vacationing with friends or or anywhere because I'm trying to recall if we mm-hmm. have had this but a fight or situation kind of break out and then there's tension within the group and then now and it's apparent and so you're trying to play both sides or are here to both people who may be beefing or whatever have you ever been in that type of situation before the last time I can recall a situation like that I kid you not was elementary fifth grade honestly because that's not shit adults do especially the adults i choose to be around i and i'm not even being funny for the podcast the last time i can think about that was my friend chanel and erica in fifth grade it was the three of us they got into a fight and i kept having to go in between both of them Honestly, true you story. Was yeah, I was Dorit, but <laughs> nobody, even they were mature enough not to make me choose. <laughs> so it's weird. 50 year old white women are doing this. What about you? Yeah, um, I'm quite sure I ha- I, I actually have. Um, <laughs> like last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, not last week. Two weeks ago, maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, oh my God, one trip, spring break, um, some good friends, and it was just. There was this tension in the car, and I'm the only guy with five girls, and half of the girls in my crew um, just were 18, the other two were like 21, and it was just, they got left at a club, and <laughs> it was just beefing. I didn't know how to respond, because I went to the gay club, and I was, you know, 
doing my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the, you weren't directly involved. I was I was involved, so I was sitting in the, in the front like, "Why y'all mad? Y'all no one's talking to nobody." But I'm over here like, which I won't listen to. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it was that was one incident I could definitely call uh, recall about that um, that type of tension. But um, I've I've been in other situations, and it's just it's not fun to be in because it brings the morale of the trip down. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, when that's kind of happening and you, you want to, you will hope that people could settle their differences without ruining everyone else's trip because it becomes apparent, right? Mm-hmm. When that's kind of happening. So, but yeah, it's not a good thing. So, well, uh, eventually Erica comes back, Erica, Diana and Dorit come, uh, back, but not and not before Dorit comes to Kyle's house and Dorit and Kyle kind of get into a tizzy. Lisa Renna has to break them up and even Mauricio makes a cameo and is like, hey, bitches, calm down. I have to do this for me and PK. But Kyle is still just upset because Dorit is really trying to explain Erica's point of view and her standpoint because earlier that day... Um, one of the cases against her was dropped. Against Erica, right? Against Erica, okay. out of state. A case that was out of state. It was actually one of the first cases that I think started this whole kind of sequence spiral. of events. Yeah, sequence of events. That yeah, happened. so that one was dropped out of state, but the lawyer vowed to bring it back up in California. But Erica felt in that moment vindicated a little bit and kind of was expecting, I think, one of the girls to, or Kyle, to reach out to her and yes. kind of like apologize for the way that she perceived that they were treating her the night before. So when no one did that, Erica really was just like, okay, fuck all of them. And Dorit... <laughs> she doubled down on the shit. She, doubled, she quadrupled down and Dorit was trying to explain that to Kyle. Kyle wasn't having it at all because she feels that her and Dorit are super close and Dorit should have picked her. And one of the funniest moments when Lisa was trying to split him up, she was like, Kyle, just go get a breather. Dorit, go get dressed. Dorit was like, I am dressed. <laughs> I am dressed. And I honestly think she took more offense to that than anything that Kyle said to her. Um, she was uh, dressed and draped and ready for the, the show. Yeah. But once the ladies eventually did get all back together, Kyle and Erica had their sit-down moment. And of course... It wasn't drawn out. They ended up hugging and Garcelle even noticed and spoke about it. She was like, so Erica can forgive Kyle so easily, but Mm -hmm. she can hate Sutton for years without wanting to move on. So the girls noticed that immediately. Yeah. And so for me, the best moment in this whole entire episode comes in the final two moments, final two minutes and they show it transitions into next week's episode but it shows a text from Lisa Renna to Erica Jane and it says and I quote I got into the sprinter with Kathy and she has had an absolute meltdown I've never heard or seen anything like this in my life Imagine this, right? Mm -hmm. Then she continues to text Erica. And she tells Erica. 
that the Kathy that you guys, she says, anger, screaming, throwing things, and crying. I'm locked in my room. So now at this point, they've left the sprinter and they're now back at Kyle's home. Mm-hmm. And Erica's like, oh my God, like, bitch, what happened? What's the tea, bitch? Like, what's good? And Rena then says, the hatred that just came out of her towards her sister, I'm speechless. So this lets us know that there's some type of family tension that happened or some issue that happened between Kyle and Kathy. And Rena has an OTF and she says, you guys think you guys know this Kathy, this, you know, humanitarian, this person who's done all these things. She's like, that's not the real Kathy. Like, you guys have no idea who she is. And then it cuts to Kathy sending Rena a text saying, silence is golden. I'm staying silent. So what do you think that's about? I honestly think there's some dynamics between Kyle and Kathy and even Kim that is deeply rooted and dark. We saw glimpse of it initially during the first season between Kim and Kyle when, you know, the whole limousine, you stole my goddamn house. But I think it's something so much deeper, deeply rooted that is going to come out. If not next week's episode, then definitely at the reunion. But I I think it's something that none of us are ready for. And I don't think it's going to be something that is really meant for, like, television reality fodder. You can tell amongst those three sisters, the common denominator there is Kyle. Like, if both of your sisters have gone, like, years not talking to you at different times. Right. There has to be a reason. <laughs> there has to, there has to you be a... Have, you played a part in them not talking well, I think you. you're the common denominator, sis. So, we'll have to come back next week and see what this cliffhanger is all about. Right. But right now, are we going to go take a break? I feel like we're going to take a break. All right, you guys. Uh, come back. Grab a snack. Come on. All right, you guys. We're back. And we're going to discuss Married to Medicine. This week, the most important thing, the most exciting thing was Quad's holiday party extravaganza. All the girls were invited. Her holla slay, as she likes to call it. Now, you guys, if you guys know Miss Quad, like we know Miss Quad, Miss Quad is a black woman who wants to be a gay man. Because she talks like the children. She is an advocate for all the kids. And we just adore I adore Miss Quad. I really do. She's Love a, her to pieces. She's a fun time. And she most importantly wanted to show all these girls exactly how fabulous and how big her house was. And the fact that she bought it all on her own. On her own diamond. I am not mad at that. And it's a, a great, fabulous house. And she has a holiday party. And she also has some break dancer, young man, who I was really entertained by their their moves and their skill set however that was up that was all upstaged by the bullshit that happens and so we see anila brings and a friend of hers who is from the same hood as her and toya when they lived in the same neighborhood and this friend has some very um piping hot tea i would say it's piping hot wouldn't you Absolutely, it burns the it burns the tongue. It burns the tongue. This friend, who was Toya's good good girlfriend, 
in this neighborhood. Uh, you know, Toya, when she moved to that dream home, she was a tennis mom and doing all these things. And she was just living her very um, transitional while she was a race. What's 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 a transracial? She was very transracial. She okay. went from being a black woman to a Caucasian woman playing tennis and doing all of, all of the things. And in this moment, we find that there is a rumor that Toya possibly could have slept with a man in the neighborhood. And that's what this alleged friend uh, is supposed to have information on. So she, Anila brings this woman who alleges that to quads party where she knows all of the women including toya will be there so shit starter number one the eventually somewhere in the night the girls all like they normally do gather around and kind of chit chat and wait for someone to have some shit start popping off in this case the person who starts the shit storm initially is new new girl to the group <laughs> Lawyer Audra. Now, she's a friend of the season. She isn't a part of the, the main cast, but you can tell that they're testing her out. So I guess she feels like she needs to work for her spot next season. Because she was brought in by who? She was brought in, she was brought in by Heavenly. Yes, she was brought in yes, by Heavenly. Heavenly's friend. Uh, and I, we say friends with air quotes because they really don't, <laughs> I don't feel like she she's not even 30 yet so i doubt that she would be friends with heavenly's old ass in real life but let's just pretend <laughs> so she is a real estate lawyer yes and she brings to the group a literal financial breakdown <laughs> of toya's now, situation like you guys know that epic breakdown that left idea with TLC like this is how you can have a girl group who make so much money and breaks down to the point she does that inside of the party with the ladies go ahead and the financial breakdown is Toya once made the claim that when they sold their last house uh, they profited a million dollars from that sale now, Audra broke it down with all the expenses, with everything that you have to, that goes on with uh, the sale of a house, that it was in, in, in public information. Mm -hmm. Very true. Paired Very with public. public information, it was virtually impossible for them to have made as much money off of that house as Toya is claiming. She said, you made 880000 and then she brought down that money. Yes. Of what you did not take and the taxes and what you have to pay. And the multiple liens that they had. Ah, she did say they had a lien. They no, she not a lien. Multiple liens. Eight. It was eight to be exact. Oh, eight she, she said eight? Yes. I I must have dozed off on that part. So basically Audra read Toya for fucking filth. <laughs> and As not, she should. And not only did it stop there, that's when the conversation kind of gravitated to Toya potentially fucking a mystery man in the neighborhood. Right. Now, the cliffhanger that we were left with, of course, Toya got rowdy after her friend, who was like a no-named friend from the hood, got too rowdy and almost threatened to Oh, that's physically right. Her homegirl from Anila. Detroit. Yeah. yeah, her homegirl from Detroit got really rowdy on them. It was just a shit show to say the very least. But next week, 
Toya and Audra will get physical. They will, they will come to fisticuffs. Let's get physical. Physical. Yes, throwback to first season when Toya uh, got into it with, with Mariah. Mariah. That purse swinging. That purse. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, huzzy. Uh-uh. <laughs> yes, purse swinging by the pool. So, this episode was mainly a really good setup for next week's episode. How do you feel, I'll ask you this, since other than what we just described, nothing much happened during this episode. What are your thoughts on Audra? Do you think that she is setting herself up to have a permanent position next season? And if she does, who would she replace? Because she like, ready. The way she caught that the way she caught that hand back to punch that bitch in her face. After <laughs> Toya pushed her pushed her mud, the way she clocked that arm back, I said, baby, she she bout that life. I need her to replace Anila. Or even if she came in, I don't mind her as a friend because I was trying to see like where she plays. Like, why is heavily bringing her in? I don't really care about her husband's story. He's kind of boring to me. Um, all, the guys are kind of, you know, they have their own dynamics, but I don't need to really see the guys. I don't feel like they're not that important to the storylines. Um, but... If Audra was a friend of maybe like another season and then kind of see how she fits in, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind her, you know, um, wearing, oh, she wouldn't wear a death scope, but I wouldn't mind her being in the promo. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. She could replace fucking Carrie. That's what she replaced. Replace Carrie ass. Uh, what is this beef you Because Carrie? Carrie does I, nothing. I, I understand. But, We've talked about it before. I just, it was, just it was more rhetorical, but yes. That's or all. bless Carrie's heart. I would. How do you? How do you? What do you see? Who? Who do you see her replacing, or how do you see her fitting in with the girls? Um, if she has to replace someone, definitely replace Anila. I don't. I mean, after this season, I don't understand what her storyline would be. The fact that her main storyline is having no nanny and forcing her mom and dad to stay with her just so she can have a storyline is beyond me. But I would give Audra a full time status, and I. Wouldn't have said that until this episode because <laughs> I feel like there hasn't been anyone to combat Toya and her reign of terror for years. Honestly, Toya okay. is a character on the show that gets away with murder and gets away with saying the most reckless things, mainly to her husband, but reckless things also to the group. And it, it, it's so good to see someone not afraid to directly go against that and 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 really be in her face and give her the smoke. <laughs> and I don't think Toya's right. used to that. She's not. She's all. not used to that because it really hasn't happened. Like, you know, the girls they really treat Toya like the annoying little sister. Like she'll say something they're like, bitch, it's just it's just Toya. Go. Yeah. Yeah. They pay her Yeah, paid her desk. It's Toya. Toya gonna be Toya. So she's kind of gone through the years being that annoying little sister that can say whatever she wants and they just disregard it. But now you finally met that bitch on the playground that's like, oh, (laughs) you ain't going to talk to me the way you talk to these other bitches. Because Toya was trying to check Audra on the way that she dressed and you coming to dinner wearing jeans and a t-shirt. Like, what are you doing? So Toya has definitely instigated and poked at Audra a lot since she's been a part of the cast. So now Audra's just showing her, bitch, I'm not that one. I'm that other I'm one. I'm gonna check my ESQ, my Esquire out the door. Yes. <laughs> and you meet me outside. Because what it is also, to your point, 
Toya is again, she's transracial. So she's now in these spaces with other ethnicities and she's the only black woman. So she's trying so she can talk crazy the spices with them and feel like she has some type of upper hand, right? I just like no 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 no. I'm gonna bring you back down. Mm-hmm. Like, let me tell you exactly who the fuck I am. Like, cause my degrees are working for me and you no shade to to, you know, um housewives or anything like that, but she's Basically, saying like, but you're not doing nothing. Like, you're not even on my caliber right now. And I think that's the other woman's thing. Also, like, Toya doesn't really have anything of her own, so we don't really pay her no attention to shit. So. Yeah. But yeah, next week I'm here for the altercation. I too am here for the altercation. I'm just gonna lay some hands on her, and that's just what it's gonna be. Hopefully, so. she knocks some sense into her, and Toya will be <laughs> will keep it cute for the rest of the season. But right. that's wishful thinking. Keep it cute and keep it on mute. So let's go to some more married people. Let's mosey on to the married at first sight. We haven't discussed them in, in about two weeks. So we're going to give a little time to each couple. There's been a lot that has transpired. More, Most notably this week specifically. They have read story or read letters to their younger selves. And also they went to each other's. Like homes and places, memorable places that they grew up. So, starting with Miguel and Lindy, let's just get the easy couples out the way until we really deep dive <laughs> to the the fatty tissue of the other couples. Miguel and Lindy, um, I like them. I like them. I don't know because a few weeks ago she talked about him not seeing her crazy side, and I need to I need for her to expound on that. What does that look like? What do you mean by that? And has he now seen it? Because he is like, you know, I need to see this before decision day. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like the way she was referring to herself as the crazy side. Like, you are a whole adult. If you are unable to self-regulate yourself, then you need to do the work. Go talk to a therapist mm-hmm. and heal your inner child. Because that's not okay as an adult to though temper tangents and to then scapegoat it onto something else. That's not okay. So if you have this angry and I use air quote Lindy then tell her to call someone to address that. But you should not have to force that on this man because again you're you're excusing behaviors and you're trying to label it something else. No. Just deal with your shit mm-hmm. and then self-regulate yourself. That's all you have to do. So, um, but beyond that, I think they both came from very conservative families and they may have some bonding on that. You know, he's from Puerto Rico. He talks about not being able to fit in. That was a lot of things for all these couples was uh, a big part of listening was not fitting in or feeling they were on the outside of stuff. So yeah. very interesting um, that they all had that that common denominator. And then with her not being able to dance and grew up very religious. So I think at this point now, it may work. They both said, I love you. Or he said he's falling in love with her and mm-hmm. she expressed that she loves him. So, you know. I'm still 50-50 on this couple working out, but I think it was a cute situation. What about you? Maybe you'll get that insurance after all, Lindy, girl. <laughs> I The reason why I say that I like them together because 
it at least he seems with them that there's some type of growth happening not necessarily just growth within the relationship but it feels like individually they are pushing past themselves to see and get the perspective of the other person uh, you can really tell until he met her and, and interacted with her he probably was more so okay you do something i don't like i'm i'm immediately done and i'm moving on where he you know a few weeks ago told her i don't like this side of you and she was like well there's gonna be some sides you don't like chill right. and she you can really tell she's a brat and used to get is used to getting her way in relationships but now more so when he's being so vocal like hey this is a side i don't like about you she says oh, okay well let me try and self-regulate so it seems like they're bringing out better qualities in the other I see more so than any of the other couples. So that's what it is, is making me a bit more optimistic for them the last few weeks than, than the others. Okay. Um, well, who's next on the chopping block? On the chopping block, we have Stasha and Nate. Now, my view of them now this week from week one, two, and three has completely changed. I actually really like them together really? okay and i would say out of all five of the couples i have the most faith in them and i'll tell you why real quick and then you can tell me your thoughts they actually communicate to each other pretty healthy like he is really good at listening and articulating himself yes and I'll she say, yes I agree which i'm actually really shocked about but she is really great at listening and not reacting. Now, she may say how she feels in the interview, in the one-on-one -on -one with the, you know, to the, the viewers. But in those moments, she's even said, okay, I'm not going to go to 100 when you're at 100 because then we'll just keep trying to up each other. Like, she really sits there bites her tongue and listens to what he has to say. And it seems like it sinks in. Uh, and I feel like he does the same with her. I feel their communication style is the healthiest out of everyone because they actually... They're listening to each other. They're listening. They're actually communicating how they feel and the other one's actually listening. Yeah, I think it was important when Dr. Pepper came in and she talked to them and Stasha mentioned the fact that, you know, she just expected him to have the same feelings as she was having because she's like, you know, I know what I want. I saw it. I see him. He's this. He's that. I'm like right there. And Dr. Pepper says something so profound. She's like, you're not partner. You're not paired with yourself. Like mm -hmm. if you were like, you know what that looks like. She's like, you have to allow him to do what he does in his moment. And that's so true. Sometimes people are in relationships are so caught up on how they expect the other person to respond and that is like, no, that person is still a person. They still have to make their own decisions and choices about different things and have to come to terms with things in their own timing. You may see or think they should be doing it faster, but that's not the case. So I was really happy that she she pointed that out. And I think Stasha was re receptive to yeah to the advice. So um. I still don't believe they're going to work, even though they have the tattoos together um, of the their wedding date on their hands. But I'm always hopeful for love. I just instinctively think that there's going to be a shoe that's going to drop that will fuck all this up. So, 
All right, let's mosey on over to Mitch the bitch and Kristen the saint. <laughs> Mitch the bitch and Kristen the saint. Saint Kristen. Saint Kristen. Um, I was surprised by them sharing both their stories, mm-hmm. and I think. If Mitch's father was still alive, he probably would be different. And just regulating himself or just also as being expressive and just a lot of gripes that he has with the world or how he sees certain things. Mm. I don't know. I just feel like if his dad was still alive, he probably just would be a little softer on certain things, how he feels. Because I will say he has done a 180 in some instances, but you know, He's a work in progress. I think they have a good chance of really working it out because Kristen mentioned to Dr. Pepper, like, I'm tired trying to be perfect for him. Mm-hmm. And then she explains why she felt she had to be perfect from childhood stuff. Again, all listeners, all that shit stemming from my childhood. Please get yourself some fucking therapy if you're listening right now. Heal your inner child. My inner child's not healed yet. Mm-hmm. Like, the shit that they had them doing, the writing the letter, I would have to write a fucking novel. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you <laughs> Girl, have, where's the typewriter? You know, like, <laughs> murder. You have, to, you have to heal that inner child before you can really be with someone else. And sometimes we think we have done that, but there's certain things that come up later on in life that would just let you know that, hey, like, I'm not all the way kind of together yet. So, triggers all that. Yeah. And all that to say, when Kristen talked about that and softball and, and her growing up, I felt that he really listened to that and then he shared his story with his father and the earthquake, the 94, famous 94 earthquake in Northridge and just his dynamics with his dad. And and so I think he's softening and understanding that he has to compromise his behaviors and his thought process with her. So how did you see them? You know, I'm excited to see their dynamic moving forward, especially with Kristen saying, you know, she's essentially done trying to be the perfect wife because she was losing a bit of herself. I think that will, her being her true self, her true authentic self in this relationship will only benefit because I I think Mitch needs someone to call him on his shit and his brattiness. And hopefully, I'm hoping that he's receptive to it because she's such a great girl like she's such a good chick and she seems like she cares and she seems honest and I hope that he allows her to bring out the best in him because honestly she's already putting out her her best foot forward like I can't see her being an, becoming an even better person <laughs> uh, clearly she's going to become a great at having patience and understanding being with mm-hmm. Mitch so I'm I'm really curious to see how the dynamic is going to be now when she has you know no more fucks to give essentially which is what she told Dr. Pepper <laughs> that's a dangerous in, place in, to be in. in so many words um so yeah that's that's Mitch and Kristen let's Mosey on over to Alexis and Justin. Ill. <laughs> Not ill. Why this, I mean, because this couple, they started off real hot and heavy, low-key judging the other couples because they felt like this was preordained and destined by God. And they just, you know, hey, baby, hey, baby. But now <laughs> you're really starting to see the cracks or 
more like caverns uh, in the relationship. And it, it, I don't see it going, I honestly don't see this going anywhere. And I'll tell you the exact moment I got that was when they divulged this week that he's not getting his dog back. And you could see how it literally ate him up on the inside. And he's going to carry that with him as long as they're in this relationship. She's going to blink at him too hard. And he's going to say, I fucking gave up my dog for you. Yep. Uh, for seven you. Years, yeah. Of seven years for you and your dog. Like, it, there is no reconciling that ever. I don't feel. Yeah, no, I 110% I agree with you on your statement. And that's it. Like, I don't have the energy to try to dissect their situation because he now I will say this tears are meant to help us grow right like when you water a plant that's water the tears it helps grow it's a living being so us as humans when we cry we're 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 watering help essentially watering ourselves to help us grow to shed things now he's a very sensitive soul and anytime there's kind of conflict or anything I always noticing he's always tearful and crying which is great and fine you have emotions but i think that she's going to get tired of trying to have to coddle him and for him that could just be his process some people some people who are just emotional mm -hmm. and they need it does, it's not a sign of weakness but they just need to kind of express that they get too caught up and they just are expressive that way mm -hmm. i think that she is going to like okay because she talks about how she is hyper independent mm -hmm. because she had to see her family be this way and her mother never cried and blah 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 so she may see it as a sign of weakness right so i think that's i think the core of their values of how they see the world ultimately would be the this the, the demise of them as a couple working out does that make sense mm -hmm. like so i think even with them trying to work on it together just the core of how they approach things will not work together it's not aligned and neither one of the, he's willing to work and try to be better for her which that isn't always the answer like he needs to want to do it for himself or understand if i do do this why am i doing this and kind of make sense of it but she's not going to want to bend and try to um better herself to understand his thought processes so i don't see them working on that aspect yeah, I don't see them working just in general, period. It in, in the moment, I think it was last week when they were at the dinner and everyone was talking about their relationship and she opted out and not to say anything. The reason why she didn't say anything because she was affected before that when Justin brought up I think it was Ben and Morgan or another couple. He was speaking on another couple and she felt triggered by that because she was kind of like, hey, instead of you devoting like energy to other couples, like you need to be focusing here. But she never shared that with him. She just said, nope, I don't want to talk. And he immediately noticed that something was different within her. And he kept kind of probing, you sure you don't want to talk? You don't, you don't like to talk. You don't want to talk. And she took it and hijacked it and kind of gaslit him into thinking that it was a completely different reason why she didn't want to talk and it was a big step away from the table and he was outside she was in the bathroom with the mic on 
all that said to say they don't know how to communicate with each other. They don't listen to one another. And I just don't, I don't see it working out with them at all. Not yeah. in a healthy way. Absolutely. So, so let's start to the main event. <laughs> ding, ding. You guys ready for it? Ben and Morgan. Now, I don't know if you want to start this off. You can go ahead. You were on the roll. Okay. So I'll let you so, continue on. Morgan is a bitch that deserves to be alone. I <laughs> will start and end there. Now, not saying that Ben is innocent by any means because he did initially have feelings about her being a nurse, not being a nurse. And he went to Justin about that. I understand that was a huge betrayal of trust in the beginning. But to be honest, she has not let that go at all. Not even a, a centimeter. A yeah, she yeah. hasn't she hasn't forgiven him for anything. And she's held this resentment literally up until now. And it feels like she's using this excuse to really stick and turn the knife in based on his initial actions of you know the nurse the nursing situation weeks ago i wonder if she is scorpio scorpios tend to hold grudges like that i mean it, it would make sense because she's not letting this shit go apparently ben has been i wouldn't even say divulging i'll just say venting talking <laughs> to justin about, I guess, his time or their relationship. Now, the whole point of Lifetime putting them in the exact same apartment building is so they can come together and talk and have a sense of community since they're the only people in the world going through exactly. this process. So, I mean, talking to other couples, I feel in this experience is kind of a given where she's lost me is she's not saying exactly what is being discussed she's like you know what you said Alexis told me everything you said because she heard you you're on speaker when you say what you said but she's not saying okay is he saying this bitch breath stink her pussy her <laughs> pussy smells fishy or is he just saying you know today was rough like, we haven't really talked like there's a clear difference between talking shit about someone and right. just venting i mean we all do it we've all done it at some point uh or another and she keeps bringing the point that he's lied to me every day to my face so it's like okay every day are you interrogating him when he locks in the door what did you say and who did you say it to and it, every day is he saying i ain't talked to nobody i ain't said nothing okay then yes he's lying to your face every day but i seriously doubt like when we have we don't see each other for a day. How was your day? What did you do? Now, if you tell me, oh, nothing major, just regular work and stuff like that. And I find out later that, you know, you stopped off and got a fish taco from somewhere different. I'm not going to say, you lied to my face. <laughs> like it's like you don't owe me a detailed <clears throat> list of every thing that you did for the day. I just, I'm not understanding her contention. Yeah, I think that she is putting 20 on 2 so much 
again, you are in this experiment together with four other couples. You guys are supposed to have this support system, hence the reason why you're all in the same fucking apartment building. This is why they also have group activities for you guys to do to discuss. And yes, when, you're in, when you are in the relationship, you do talk to your friends and you feel comf comfortable to talk and share or to vent. I think the issue is with her, she's just not a good person. I, like, I just don't cause it's like he yes he he was questioning you about are you a nurse um, because of his background he well we find out this episode he he starts to share he has some childhood trauma again childhood trauma talks to a therapist as an adult and he realizes that his his parents were a big part of it and he's people pleasing um, mechanism that he has and he's sharing his story with her and she literally just doesn't respond it doesn't want to share her story with him and I just think that she's just she did too much with the situation of him talking to Justin about their relationship and unless he said something like you said derogatory or something that's like really detrimental to her character it shouldn't be this deep like it really shouldn't be this deep or her having this type of response this heavy for it you mm -hmm. know so that's all I have about her I just this episode really showed me that one she tries she tries to to steamroll yeah him at times and she is she's looking she's looking for a protector because she didn't have that with her father mm -hmm. so I understand like if I if I look at it from a different standpoint where she shares different things. It's like you didn't have that. So you're looking for that in your spouse. So then just say that. He can't try to be something that you ideal. You have this ideal in your head and he doesn't know about it. And that's what happens in a lot of relationships. People mm -hmm. have this ideology about different things. It's like, well, if you don't share that with me, I have no fucking idea about that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the bigger point in in their situation and so i feel for him i feel like he definitely understands that okay a little white lie or he should have been more forthcoming with her telling her about talking to justin he did he didn't see it as a big issue right he's just like that's talking to my boy but she she confronted him in a way that was very accusatory and also just like and by the way, I know X, Y, and Z. So that doesn't feel good to someone when you try to confront them in that type of way. Um, but again, it wasn't that big of a situation for him. But either way, I don't want them to work out. I want yeah. him to find for his a safety. woman. <laughs> for, his, for his safety and sanity, I do not want yeah, them to work out. I want out. him to find a woman who understands that he has some challenges and, and ideals that you know, he needs to kind of filter that would be more healthy in the form relationship. And she just needs to also work on herself. Also, either address her father issue with her father who's still here, who, who she's choosing not to have a relationship with, or become a lesbian. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but yeah, she can do that too. So that's all I have for them. Too. What bothers me with her is she's not trying. 
And I think she's equating just showing up and filming as trying, and that's not it. Like, she didn't try at all to forgive him and move on from him discussing her nursing uh, job with Justin. Yes. She refused to move on from that. Like, she's not even trying a little bit. And now she wasn't even trying to have a conversation with him when Alexis told her this information to get his perspective. She literally just said, by the way, I know everything and left. And peaced out. And peaced out. So she didn't even try to hear his side of the story or try to entertain the idea of maybe she didn't get the whole she didn't get all the information. Right. And now she's not even trying to give him the benefit of the doubt when he says, you know, when he's taking accountability for things. He even said that he uh, signed up for therapy. So not only did he divulge, you know, that he is dealing with past issues that is affecting his current, he's actually taking steps to take action yeah. to to better himself. And she's not even trying to meet him halfway in that regard. It's just the lack of her trying to do anything that bothers me with with her because I see him trying so hard uh, to better himself for this experiment. But also that part of that is also the people pleasing aspect in him also. I do believe he wants to understand why he is behaving in this manner and when he did his notes to his younger self it did address a lot of different things and um but i think also some aspect of that is just that also people pleasing but you're you're right i i um agree with you with what you said and i i hope for the show purpose she will at least try to adhere to her commitment that she made for the remainder of the weeks even if if it's them not doing activities or trying to do activities together but also trying to build some type of at least a friendship some type of friendship you know i would be appreciative as a viewer to do that and not just throwing it out because it's so easy to do that because then you're not challenging yourself and why did why are you in this position like you took a space from someone who really could put the work and benefit from this yeah. experiment. So, well, we'll have to see how this shit pans out next week. Yes. And before we head on out, we want to let all of our listeners know that this weekend, a major film is coming out starring the wonderful and fabulous Viola Davis in woman King. Mm-hmm. This weekend is opening opening weekend. It's very important that we support these type of films. This is for everyone, but I'm going to emphasize to our black listeners to make sure we have to support these films that are showcasing stories about us. And this actually is based off of a real story mm-hmm. um, and tribe in Africa. And so we have to support and show up and show out like we did for Black Panther. So you guys, this weekend is really important. Just make sure you go out to, if you can, to watch Woman King. Leave a comment on our IG page. If you do check it out, let us know your thoughts about it. Also, leave a comment if you have any comments or concerns or 
questions about this episode that you want to talk about with us, right? Yep. So, you guys, we thank you for listening. As always, you have an hour with us. Probably an hour 45 this episode. <laughs> and you have 23 hours left with yourself. Please be kind to yourself. Um, reach out to a friend you haven't talked to in a long time. You know, say a prayer for the universe. And just be positive, okay? Until next time, friends. Bye, Bye friends. friends. Today's episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend. It's brought to you by the letter A. Hey, listen, did y'all really think we were going to teach you guys something? <laughs> this podcast is just to have a kiki with my husband. Tune in next Friday for an all new episode of Oh, That's My Gay Friend. Follow us on Instagram at Oh, That's My Gay Friend or email us your questions at Oh, That's My Gay Friend at gmail.com. Until then, see you next time, friends. <laughs>